Hello and welcome back to So You Think You Can Fan's ongoing series on covering the All Guardsmen Party. I'm your host, Sergio, here with Matt, Jake, and Colin Vertical Line. Colin. I don't know what that, that, that symbol is called. I think it's just line. I don't know. Line. Isn't that I, Borders' I uh, husband? Value bracket. What? Mm. Border of borderline panels. His husband, line. That's why they're called borderline panels, because oh, their names okay. are border and line. Border and line. Okay. Well, that's me. I'm colon line. Nice. You're his colon? I'm his colon. How's, how's the I'm, diet? It's pretty okay. Needs less sodium, though. What are you, a fucking hematologist? Yep. Damn. How many hemas have you seen? All of them. That's crazy. I read Homestuck, <laughs> so that makes me official. It makes you a that gives you a doctorate. Yes, because I read God, all I of Homestuck. All right, God, Matt. Stand in awe and fear. Let's go. Head, uh, head come chief of the podcast. Please start us off. All right. So to recap where we were last time, uh, they were. Okay. What's up, dude? What's wrong? We need to sound effects, motherfucker. Jesus. Last time on All Guardsmen Party, Twitch and Nubby were stuck inside of the Azovstal cum pit, and they were trying to find who was in charge. And now they've found an Inquisition agent in the Azovstal cum pit. Now they need to find their way out. <clears throat> sure, the great coat covered the Inquisition agent, and uh, the mustache did look amazing. But anyone who looked closely was going to absolutely bust this dumb fucking Inquisition agent. He'd actually holstered his master-crafted silenced auto pistols outside of the coat, and you could even see his rosette picking out of the front of the coat. He wasn't even trying! We quickly moved in around him and blocked everyone's view while Sarge did his best to fix Bane's disguise. Nothing could be done about the shiny carapace greaves and boots, but the autos were stashed in his pockets and replaced with a spare las pistol. The rosette was tucked inside his shirt, and we managed to shove him into parade rest before one of the sergeants came over to yell at us. Our squad was split up into onto either side of the interrogator, and we all did our best not to draw attention to ourselves. As last of the deserters formed up, a big man wearing a general's insignia tacked onto a major's uniform came out and addressed the troops. As moving speeches go, it rated a solid seven, hitting several key topics like the importance of camaraderie and the mating habits of commissars, but losing a few points for talking too much about protecting civilians. Also for being a traitorous heap of lies designed to sap the fighting spirit of brave guardsmen and lure them into vile heresy. After everyone had been uh, suitably pumped up, he moved on to some real topics, like the rumors that some rogue traders were trading trips off-planet for favors or a gig of service in their private armies. Apparently, these rumors were not only completely true, but the general had managed to contact one of them and worked out a rendezvous. At this point, he flourished a calligraphy-filled note, and there was a great deal of cheering. Furthermore, he'd made contact with a sympathetic regiment which would turn a blind eye to our escape from this hellhole. But before he'd go into details, he needed to make sure no one here was a commissariat 
come, 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 come pit spy. Well, the general explained that he'd heard reports that an unmarked flyer had landed in the area and listed all the horrible things that the commissariat would do if he found us. His two henchmen started traversing the line of deserters. They carefully went over each man, occasionally asking them questions or inspecting their equipment. We all nervously checked ourselves over and eyed the interrogator, who'd apparently gotten tired of standing straight and was now in a pose best described as lounging. As the inspectors worked closer, he took out a low stick, that's my correction from last episode, jammed it under the fake mustache, and drew out his trainee rosette. We watched in horror as he flipped off the top and lit his low stick with it. Just to be clear here, the man had a lighter installed in his inquisitorial badge of office. Emperor knows why he had it done, or how he got someone to agree to fiddle with the thing, but he used it right there in the middle of the deserter base, then dropped it back down his coat. It sat there and peeked out the front like a poorly camouflaged trainee on guard duty. Both Doc and Sarge frantically whispered at him to put it away, but Bane just stared at them blankly, and before the point got across, the two henchmen reached us. Twitch passed rear review. Why did I, th- why did I think that said rear view? What the fuck? Twitch passed review without comment, and they actually stepped back a bit when they reached Nubby. His unique odor could affect people like that. Tink didn't get off so easy, though. Whether it was his bulging pack, fancier than usual armor, or a near-permanent expression of petulance mixed with superiority, something about him bothered the inspectors. One of them stepped behind the techie and flipped open his pack, exposing his stash of gadgets and the bulky plasma gun. The other goon smiled a shit-eating grin and loudly asked the general what sort of gear a slimy little commissariat weasel would carry. Tink's panic denials and the supporting testimony of Nubby and Twitch might have gotten him off the hook if he had kept a level head. But when they took his pack away, he exploded in impotent nerd rage. While he showed a lot of passion and his word choice was quite inventive, Tink was a lousy melee fighter and his pathetic attack didn't impress the henchmen. They quickly subdued him and he's dragged off for questioning by a pair of deserters. While everyone watched Tink's beat down, each of us evaluated our options. We could all see that there wasn't any way we would survive a fight in the middle of this place. Hold on. Uh, sorry, I got a message. I had a message in back. Uh, middle of this place. Our only real chance was to keep up the disguise until we could do something sneaky. The problem was there didn't seem to be any way the interrogator would pass inspection, and there was no way of knowing what he'd do when they spotted him. If they captured him like Tank, we'd be able to try and spring them both together. But they could just immediately execute him, or he might start a fight and drag us in. Each of us were so busy agonizing over this that we almost missed it when Bane made his move. The interrogator just casually walked from his position in line just past Tank to a spot between Nubby and Twitch. Apparently everyone was too busy watching our mouthy techie getting the shit beat out of him to notice. When the inspection resumed, both goons moved on to Sergeant Doc without even blinking. It was really quite amazing. The man hadn't done anything sneaky. he just chosen the exact moment when everyone was distracted. We all did our best to keep the surprises off our faces. The inspection had wrapped up without further incident. Secure in the knowledge that no spies were present, the general outlined a complex plan for escaping to the rendezvous with the traitor. There were a lot of regiment names, passphrases, waypoints, and other stuff that we didn't really care about. Then the parade was over. As the newbie deserters walked over to do with 
to do whatever it was they did around here, we quickly pulled together to hash out a rescue plan. Unfortunately, the interrogator didn't have any time for that. He made a beeline for their general, and his goons were t talking with a few of the recruits. Sergeant Twitch went off to rescue Tank, leaving Doc and Nubby behind in their square. Their job was to grab the interrogator and convince him not to do anything suicidal until Sarge returned. In Doc's opinion, this was not an ideal plan, but there hadn't been time to think of anything better. Both troopers hustled after the interrogator and got there just as he reached the group of chatting deserters. They watched in horror as Bane, hand outstretched and face mustache bristling, interrogator walked right up to the general and greeted them with a horrible Valhallan accent. What followed was a string of stereotypical and cliched comments that would have mortally offended any actual Valhallan. Both Nubby and Doc had served with Ith World regiments before, and it was physically painful to hear the interrogator calling everybody comrade, joking about how hot the climate was, and complaining with a lack of, lack of alcohol in the camp. He was lucky that a deserter's hideout was the last place you'd find a real Valhallan, and incredibly lucky that no one here knew that or apparently had ever met one. The general welcomed Ivan Ivanov with a smile, <laughs> laughed at his jokes, and promised he'd go far in the first free RV. Doc no and Nubby way. had a second second to feel relieved that the general spotted them. His eye smile turned into a suspicious glare, and he asked Doc which regiment he was from. Yo, Ivan Ivanov cameo! I can't believe it. He made it out of the fucking Sentai campaign and got into the all-guardsman party. He's too powerful. For, 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 for those who don't know, our friend Nick in my Sentai campaign has a uh, um a NPC that's a stereotypical uh, space Ukrainian as his ethnicity was changed because of unspecified conflict in unspecified country um, named Ivan Ivanov. Yes. Which, it, which as I'm looking it up, is just a real name that people have. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like that's having uh, the name John Johnson. Peter yeah. Peterson. Yeah. Bob Robertson. Continue, Matt. Continue on, my good friend Matthew. Doc was a clever boy. <laughs> Sounds like how you boy. would describe someone, Jacob. Clever boy. You clever, clever boy. boy. That's a British as fuck. I don't know. Why are you saying I'm British? Yeah. Hey, clever boy. Good fighter and a decent <laughs> medic. But Doc was a terrible bullshitter he froze up for a solid five seconds and then started stuttering asking if the general meant him and if he really wanted his whole life story when the general didn't stop glaring the panicking medic took refuge in the truth and started to rattle off the regimental details of the junior 99th medium infantry a regiment which had died years ago Nubby tried to come to the poor boy's rescue, but the general responded in the way that most officers did when confronted with Nubby Nubs, which is to say he ignored that little fuck in hope that he would go away if no one paid any attention to him. Eventually, the stream of babble was cut off, and the general started asking some very pointed questions. Doc scrambled to field these, but was distracted by the interrogator. Bane had wandered behind the general, and was carefully scrutinizing the note that he'd been waving around when talking about contacting a rogue trader. After giving it a good once-over, the interrogator held up his wrist chrono and fiddled with it until a screen and lens popped out the sides. A mesh of green light was projected on the note as he carefully scanned the whole thing. Both sides. Doc could barely keep his eyes off the scene of blatant spying as he fumbled through the questions. If anyone even glanced at the interrogator, they would all be killed. No one did look, though. 
Everyone was busy staring at Doc, who had already sweated out out half his body mass and was going for three quarters. He just barely managed to answer all the questions aimed at him without blurting out something about working for the Inquisition. But it was obviously just a matter of time before he either tripped up or fainted. Right as things reached their most dire, the interrogator finished, walked up to Doc, and threw an arm around his shoulders. In that horrible accent, he chastised the general for being too suspicious of bosom companion comrade doctor boy, and then told a series of horribly cliched jokes. Just like that, everyone was all smiles again. The general stated that any friend of Ivan's was a friend of his, then shook Doc's damp hand and went to talk to some other recruits. Doc practically collapsed in relief, and Nubby grumpily swore at them, both from the puddle he'd been shoved into by one of the goons when he wouldn't shut up. The three of them headed in the direction Tink had been taken, and Doc pulled out his combead. I wanted to say cornbread again. Before he could call anyone, the air was filled with Twitch's screaming, and on reflex, bow soldiers hit the dirt, dragging the interrogator down with them. Twitch was having a pretty good time. Sure, he was in the middle of a hostile base inside an orc-infested battlefield, but Sarge had given him one of those good orders. He'd been told to make a distraction, a big one. About half of his supply had been has had been secreted around the base. No one had even commented as he walked around holding the explosives, and the only troops that had seen him planting them had backed away when he asked them if they wanted to help. He figured it'd just take long enough for everyone to figure out the situation for them to safely get out of there. With a big smile on his face, Twitch sat and waited for Sarge's signal. When, it, when his comm clicked, the demolitions expert, tr- demolitions trooper took a big breath, screamed, Incoming artillery! And hit his first detonator. The shout was a, it was reflex echoed by several deserters in the entire base, shaking with well-timed and placed explosions. After a few seconds... A few seconds after the f- first barrage, Sarge's voice came f- from his combi, instructing everyone to head for an ex- a side exit, the side exit Bane had used. I can't read. Twitch smiled and touched his dented helmet as the second barrage moved to a certain stubbornness. It was a very good day. The squad came back together as they all made for the same exit. Tink was walking on his own, but Sarge was carrying all of his gear. Doc slapped him with a stem just to be on the safe side, and night Sarge was half-covered in blood. The interrogator asked how he'd sprung the techie, and Sarge just stared back, glanced at the chain bayonet he was still holding, and gruffly said that he'd explain the chain of commands. That is not the, the word that I thought was going to come after chain of. The takes new friends. Both Nubby and interrogator broke into rather tactless laughter until we saw Twitch coming at a dead sprint. None of us thought to ask why Twitch was running. It's not a question you asked, demolitions experts. You just had to do your best to keep up with them. As we cleared the city, a final barrage collapsed our exit, crushing a few deserters who had been hard on Twitch's heels. Sarge calmed the other half of the team and told them to get ready to bail. Then we all just focused on running. We were almost to the Arbites when the deserters launched their pursuit. A dozen ex-guardsmen took turns chasing us and taking pot shots at our backs behind them. A s- and behind them, a salamander burst through the wall, then turned to face us. I know that... I, that's a vehicle, right? Yep. See, I see. See, yeah. in my head, I'm just imagining a tiny, like, the, like the like the wall blows up, but there's just like a tiny salamander, just just there. He doesn't have like a gun or anything. He's just he's just a salamander. <laughs> a salamander is a small armored reconnaissance vehicle used by the Astra Militarum and based on the Chimera chassis. Gotcha. Per 40k <laughs> wiki. 
The general himself was standing out on the top hatch and blasting at us with a pintle bolter while yelling at his troops to run faster. We got a, f- a few shots as they closed as they closed, and the Arbides laid down some decent covering fire, but keeping the cover was slowing us down, and the Salamander steadily gained on us. Both the mines twitched off behind us, were easily dodged by the Salamander driver, and we reached the Arbides. It came apparent that we'd have to at least disable the vehicle if we wanted to escape on foot. We got under cover as the enemy closed and tried to pick off some of the deserters. We didn't have much luck since most of them were smart enough to use their own cover, but Bane managed to nail three of them with his auto pistols. The man was an amazing shot, if nothing else. No one managed to hit the general, and as the salamander got closer, we all scrambled for heavier cover and got ready to surround the vehicle. If we'd had more time or space, one of Twitch's minds would have been perfect, but the overcharged plasma bust Tink put into the vehicle's side armor was a close second. He managed to get the engine on his first shot, completely immobilizing it, and making it much easier for us to snipe at its firing ports. The general saw the situation was desperate and started to wildly swing his bolter around, hosed fire at us while we all tried to land a shot on him. Doc and Sarge both missed their shots, and the rest of the squad stayed in cover instead of taking the chance. The interrogator and one of the Arbides didn't bother with cover, preferring to nimbly dodge through the bolter rounds and get shot in the face, respectively. Behind the salamander, though, Fumbles peeked out of a doorway and raised his hands toward the general. We all ducked down and prayed. There was a titanic bang, and the world went white for a few seconds. Only Sarge saw as the interrogator leapt up onto the salamander, put a gun against the stunned man's head, and muttered a pithy one-liner before blowing it off. Once everyone could see again, we finished off the last deserters in the salamander without incident, unless you call Tink overhearing his, overheating his plasma gun and dropping it on his foot an incident. The important thing is that no one else died, and the other disorder does Oh my god, I can't talk. The other deserters legged it after the salamander was dealt with. The end count was two dead. One of the adepts died while we were away. Two wounded, and one very unconscious psyker. The interrogator said we weren't allowed to just leave him, so Sarge carried him while the Arbiti carried the adept. The two dead were given a proper military cremation, courtesy of Tink's plasma gun, which he managed to overheat and drop on his foot a second time during the quick service. That done with, we all headed back for for the flyer, which the co-pilot confirmed was still completely secure. As we walked, the interrogator congratulated everyone on killing a dangerous rebel and helping him secure a piece of critical information. He happily told everyone how the information we'd found identified both treacherous rogue traitors and traitors within the local guard command. It was sure to be key part of our investigation. While it really was a good haul, especially for how stupid the whole mission concept had been, most of us just ignored him and Tink actively glared at him while muttering about how how unfair the universe was. When we got back to the flyer, an anger towards the interrogator was redirected towards the co-pilot, who had failed to mention that the other two flyers, or the woman holding a gun to his head. Since none of them shot at us, we decided the situation was was some sort of political and deferred to the interrogator. Bane ordered the men stepping out of the other flyers, or ignored the men stepping out of the other flyers, a knock on the woman's door, and actually held up a hand to help her down when she opened it. To our amazement, she actually took it and laughed a little as she stepped down. All two plus meters of her. 
To put it simply, the woman was huge in several ways, and while she might have been beautiful, we were all too focused on the fact that she was bigger than Sarge and had more scars than all of us put together. She was carrying an Astarte-sized bolter, had an eye patch shaped like a heart, and was wearing what had to be a custom-made set of carapace armor. The interrogator was a head shorter than her, and a, the sort of grin you see on, a professional, on professional mountaineers or big game hunters. None of us could hear what the two said to each other, though it was apparent that our boy was doing well. We heard a few laughs that sounded like a Lehman Russ gunning his engine, and if any of us had to put our hand on where he did, we'd have to we'd have lost them and the arm too. After a while, Bane called us over, introduced the woman as Ivana Crushio. Ivana Ivana Crushio. Get it? <laughs> Do you get the joke? Well, I see, I paid I attention that we've got two Ivans in this story, or two Ivan derived names. Ivan Ivanov. Ivana crushed you and told us that she represented a very influential man who wanted to meet us. We all got in the flyer. Tink didn't argue when Ivana took his seat in the cockpit and headed off to meet the man who is very politely taking us prisoner. Since none of us had anything better to do, we all followed Fumbles as an example and took a night and a nap during the flight. That meant that it took was a bit of a shock when we woke up in some villa with a few dozen guns in our faces. We were relieved of our weapons by some of the hard-bitten men around us who might as well have been wearing shirts that said deserter mercenaries. And this time, Tink kept his mouth shut when the plasma gun was taken away. Fumbles was still out of it, so Sarge carried him as we, we were herded to a rather nice waiting room. Ivana and the interrogator ditched us there, presumably to talk about to talk to the boss without his guardsmen dirtying the place up. They took out the guards with them, as even the odds to the point where some of us started to get ideas. The one who disarmed us hadn't been nearly thorough enough. Doc only had his med kit and Tank had nothing, but Sarge still had his boot knife. Nubby still had a stub gun, and Twitch had his backup backup grenades as well as a last pistol. Even if the rest of the team and the co-pilot had nothing, we saw enough firepower to take out the guards, and after that, we'd have their shiny combat shoddies. On top of that, we could see the flyer sitting on its pad just a short spin array, and there was a real chance that we could escape and even ditch the interrogator in the bargain. It was very tempting, but none of us wanted to leave into action or risk getting killed yet, except for Twitch. No one was absolutely sure that these guys were planning to kill us. After all, they could have just done that back in the valley. Then we overheard one of the guards asking if the boss was planning to, to kill us personally, like the other Inquisition goons. Doc acted as the distraction. He spilled half of his medkit, and a few of the less scrupulous guards noticed several ampules of very expensive drugs rolling past their feet. During the brief scramble, Sarge buried his knife in one guard's throat, Nubby plugged another in the gut, and Twitch scored a headshot, leaving just four guards. It was strategy, not luck, that all the guards were closer to the Arbatine adept than the rest of us, and while neither had a weapon, they were both able to tie up a guard in melee for a second. Unfortunately, that left two guards free. The first shot barely missed Doc as he scrambled for cover, and the second caught the Arbity in the side, where it was mostly stopped by his armor. Those two shots were all they got, because Tink grabbed one of the following shotguns before it hit the floor, and everyone else was already switching targets. Within seconds, all the guards were dead in exchange for a single nasty wound in the Arbity and a broken arm of the Adept. It was a good trade, all in all, but we could hear reinforcements approaching. Twitch's two nades kept the incoming guards back while grabbed our shotguns and made an exit. There hadn't been any guards near the flyer when the fight started, which meant that the co-pilot was free to sprint to it while the rest of us followed more slowly. The first hostiles came in from the wrong side and got fried by a quick burst from the flyer's nose gun, but the second set came from behind it and engaged us in a running firefight. There was no cover to speak of on the path to the flyer. It was going to be a bloodbath unless we were exceedingly lucky. And just this once, we were. 
none of us had paid much thought to fumbles. We certainly didn't want to carry an unconscious body with us as we ran, so we'd left him to the Arbity and Adept to worry about. He was awake now, though, and for the first time since we met him, he didn't fuck up. The psyker waved his hands, and one of the incoming guards turned around, then hosed his squad mates with some point-blank automatic shotgun fire. It was pretty gruesome. Some of the guards got shots off at us before they died, taking a chunk out of both Nubby and Sarge, but not doing any serious damage. The same couldn't be said for the fire that came in from our persuaders, though. Their first volley blew the adept to pieces and forced us all to duck and return fire instead of continuing our sprint. The going got much slower after that, becoming a fighting retreat instead of an all-out run. We were still making progress, though, and could hear the fire's engine spinning up. Unfortunately, we weren't the only ones who noticed the flyer getting ready. When we were about to 15 meters from it, a rocket lanced out of the entrance. We watched in horror as the rocket went right through the windshield, then the co-pilot, and went off in a fireball that killed our only real chance of escape. That was pretty crushing to tell the truth, but we decided to fight on anyways. What else was there to do? We found some decent cover around the landing pad and dug in like proper guardsmen. Between our shotguns and another well-placed body puppet spell we killed another dozen guards and convinced the rest that we were that we were above their pay grade for the time being there was a nice lull which doc used to patch everyone up without painkillers may i add and nubby used to used to scrounge ammo for some of the from some of the closer corpses after that we just sat around and got ready for them to bring the in the heavies and kill us there wasn't another attack though instead we heard a familiar voice telling us to stand down the interrogator came out of the main entrance with Ivana at his back, holding her bolter and with a rocket launcher slung over his shoulder. Bane alternated between congratulating us on our bravery and yelling at us for acting without orders, then segued into a lecture on how everything was being worked out and we all might come out of this alive if we put down our weapons and acted intelligently. The vote was 4-2 to two in favor of just shooting him, until Sarge put his foot down and told us to surrender. This time, the weapon search was very thorough, and an untouchable was was brought up and handcuffed to fun, fumbles. Once we were all subdued, a man in a ridiculously gaudy overcoat came in to gloat at us a little. Well, it wasn't really just gloating, there was a fair bit of praise mixed in. He seemed genuinely impressed with the mess we made and went so far as to offer us jobs in his personal guard. This was actually a pretty attractive offer, especially after the Arbity claimed he'd rather die than betray his duty. Then did. There's a moral in there somewhere about pointless bravado. Before Trader we continue... Um, I don't think it's been explained in any of the stories that Kai, an untouchable, uh, is, is a, is what is known as a psychic blank. They're like somebody who isn't part of like the psychic field that psychers feel. And it, it's basically an, an EMP. Um, I don't, I, th- I don't think so. Technically. Hmm. Blanks. Let me check. Let me go on f- good old 40 K wiki. Um, they're known as the Black Souls and the Soulless. Okay. Um, the most sentient beings have a direct. The minds of most sentient beings have a direct connection to the warp. That is actually what is called the soul in many cultures. Yeah. Um, they have. I mean, they have souls. Or maybe they don't. No, they don't have souls. They don't have souls. They don't have any warp stuff in them. They don't have souls, and they could they work as a field that that negates warp energy. So like psychers okay. can't use their psychic stuff if there's a un, an untouchable or a blank near them. And obviously, the closer the, the closer they are to a psyker, the more it does. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so there's right. your lesson of the of the recording Thank you. 40k Thank you. lore. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Mwah. All right. So, um, Trader uh, sheathes his pistol as we were bundled off. Teague and Doc, Tink and Doc noticed that for once the interrogator wasn't talking or flirting. Instead, he looked rather ill and actually stumbled over his own feet and fell when the trader slapped him on the back. Doc put it down to having one of his teammates executed in front of him. But Tink formed a suspicion when he shared with Twitch during the walk during walk to the cells. We were all, except for Fumbles, given one shell to share. It was really quite nice of them not to split us up, and the cell wouldn't have been too bad if it had more than two bunks. As it, as it was, we made ourselves comfortable as possible and mold over the situation. That is to say, Sergeant Doc mold over the situation, Nubby just went to sleep, and t- Twitch and Tink sadly whispered about something. After a few hours, Bane showed up with Ivana at his side. The Valkyrie wasn't in her armor this time. Instead, she was in a dress that reminded Sarge of the storage tarps you put over tanks. It was hard not to notice the way she kept looking at the interrogator who had his arm wrapped around her waist. For his part, Bane was obviously drunk. This never seemed to impede him much. Instead, it just made him annoyingly happy. He cheerfully informed us that the traitor has agreed to just imprison us here for a few months while he finishes his business in the world, and after that, uh, we're free to go about our business. Furthermore, Bane promised to come visit us regularly, and maybe get us a bigger cell after a few days. Our masked glares just sort of bounced off his drunken cheerfulness. His message delivered, Bane bade us good night, and as a sort of afterthought, handed us the Amasek bottle he'd been carrying. Ivana chimed in at this point and told us that this was an incredibly generous offer that was only being given to us thanks to our handsome and charming boss. This triggered a round of flirting that was outright sickening. Equal parts cheesy and repulsive, it just kept going and going and going while we looked on in disgust. He just spouted line after horrible line, and she ate it up and then returned with overtones of a horrible crushing. Honestly, we weren't sure who was worse. They both were acting brain-damaged, and the horror show only ended when Doc and Twitch started to gag. Bane shot us a glare for interrupting and led his lady away. As he left, Tink ran to the edge of the cells and watched carefully. The techie started cackling with glee when he spotted the interrogator stagger for a few steps after passing one of the other cells. Tink's fascination with our drunken interrogator was only the second most interesting thing in the cell, though, as Nubby grabbed the bottle of Amasek. Its label slid off. There was writing on the inside. The note explained that Bane had seduced a high-level subordinate to our cause, who had confirmed the presence of high-ranking traitors in the Imperial Guard. Furthermore, the traitors would be arriving tomorrow, and we'd be taken out for exercise as they arrived. Our gear would all be provided, and the guards present would be working with us. As long as we were ready, we'd be able to take out the traitors and escape all at once. It'd be an understatement to say that we were surprised. Assuming it was true that the bastard had actually come through for us, the plan sounded relatively solid, and if we pulled it off, it would turn a pretty abysmal failure into a major victory. The problem was that none of us could see how he'd done it, except for Tink, that is. Tink and Twitch's excitement boiled over when we read the note and they let us in on their secret. According to them, our interrogator was a powerful psych- or possibly a vampire orc, 
Of course, this was rejected by Nubby on the grounds that Bane hadn't exploded, summoned any demons, or gone on some variety of crazy during the mission. Tink claimed that most psychers didn't do these things, but had a great deal of difficulty convincing anyone, especially when Fumbles was brought up as an example. His theory went that the interrogator was some sort of Nasket. Is that how I say that? Nasket? I'll uh, take that as a yes. Nasit? Nasit? Is it like nascent? Nasit. N-A-S-C-E-T. Pronunciation. Nascent. Nascent. Okay. N- nascent. Per Google. Okay, so it's supposed to be a different word then. Okay. His theory went that the interrogator was some sort of nascent, which we took to mean sneaky psyker who used his powers to make himself incredibly lucky. Furthermore, Tink claimed he did this by stealing other people's luck, which was why things kept going to shit for us, but not him. This was a compelling theory and was backed up nicely by the way he acted around the untouchable, and how Fumbles had always screwed up so massively around him. At this point, Twitch reiterated the theory of Vampire Orc as opposed to Sneaky Psyker, but didn't manage to convince anyone. Before we went to sleep, a plan was hatched, and that night we had some very strange dreams. Sorry, I'm googling. Uh, yeah, a nascent psyker is is a term. So I would assume that is that it's what they meant. But who knows? Maybe I just haven't looked hard enough. Every single one of us dreamed about a of a massive nose and mustache, which bellowed. Alfred, is this thing on? It was followed by a weary voice informing him that the thing was Fifth Company's psyker, and he didn't need to shout. After a little more arguing, the Rupert finally backed up to where we could fully see him, but he still yelled. We noticed that the Inquisitor had traded his dress uniform for a set of power armor, had definitely seen battle recently. Behind him was Alfred. Behind him, Alfred was busily relaying orders to several subordinates. We couldn't make out, and there was a sound of fighting nearby. Excuse me. Sarge tentatively asked what was going on, and the Rupert clapped his hands in delight. What followed was a rather bewildering briefing on the current state of the war. Apparently, the Rupert had claimed command as Inquisitor General and was in the process of bloodily purging anyone who argued while simultaneously fighting off a major orc attack. He seemed quite happy about the whole thing. A nice change of pace, he said. The only spot in the mustard was the man was at the top of his list. Lord General Oromov had done a runner. He apparently left his post to go visit some rogue trader, and the strike team had missed him by any chance. Did we know where he'd run off to? Sarge is proud to report that we were inside the trader's planet side base, and we were, in fact, already planning our ambush on the traders. This pleased the Rupert immensely. But Sarge ran into trouble when he asked for the trader's name or location so he could send reinforcements. Everyone did their best to remember and completely failed, only managing to offer some details about the landing pad area in the name of one subordinate. It got, only got worse when Nubby admitted that we were all actually prisoners. The Rupert wasn't phased, but we could see Alfred wince in the background. Uh, at least we were able to say that our interrogator was not only walking around free, but actively suborning the enemy. In the end, Rupert vowed to do his best to pinpoint us using this damned warp mumbo-jumbo, then went off to see who was shooting holes in his wall with a sniper rifle, leaving us in a sort of awkward collective dream, which became progressively weirder until Doc manages to wake up 
and give everybody a good kick. None of us were able to look at Tink without feeling uncomfortable for a while, and after that, we all felt sorry for Twitch. No one should have to spend their entire night being continuously ambushed by commandos, thus not one wearing maid uniforms and sporting mechandrites. In the morning, a shift of guards came for us, and as promised, they didn't actually lock our cuffs. Similarly, when we picked up Fumbles, we all felt the weight of his aura as the replacement untouchable activated a limiter. A whispered word from Doc stopped the Psyker from starting a bloodbath the second his powers were returned, and we followed the guards through the villa. While Sarge quietly went over the arrangements with the guard captain and Doc brought Fumbles up to speed, the rest of us sized up the untouchable. untouchable. We had plans for him. Our exercise area was a large courtyard. Cor- they found at one end and a landing pad at the other. There were a few guards standing near the doorways and some more on the roof. Our escort warned us that these guards were not friendly. Bane and the Valkyrie were waiting near the fountain next to a row of flower boxes, which poorly concealed all, sealed all of our gear. The interrogator was in costume again. He'd replaced his coat with the one that matched the guards and gotten a hat too. Once again, his rosette was visible just sticking out of the front of the coat. No one commented on this. We lined up with an easy grabbing range of our weapons while the interrogator explained the final details of his brilliant plan. The traders and their foul Xenos master would be arriving shortly via shuttle and we'd be presented to them as a token of goodwill and proof of the traders' competence. We'd be lined up right in front of our weapons and as they came to inspect us and gloat, he and Ivana would move behind them. When he gave the signal, we'd seize our weapons and kill their personal guards while our escort attacked the guards around us. After the guards were all dead, we'd take the traitor's prisoner, all pile into the shuttle, and escape while the distraction kept off any pursuit. It sounded like a solid plan, and except for a few additions of our own, we intended to follow it to the letter. The interrogator walked over to the landing pad, and a few of Ivana's guards split off to get into position, and we made what preparations we could without tipping off either set of guards. Before long, a standard-issue guard shuttle landed in the courtyard, and a half-dozen men in uniform got out. They were followed by a tall, thin figure in a cloak. The interrogator and Ivana greeted them, then led them our way. As they closed, we tried to pick out Lord General Urimov. He was the one target we were really committed to getting. The problem was that none of their insignias looked right. There were two bodyguards, a major, a colonel, and two generals, but no lords. We figured he was either in disguise and was hiding under the cloak and scrambled to think of a way to make sure. In the end, we went for the unsubtle approach. When one of the generals stepped forward to gloat over us, Sarge looked him in the eye and vowed, You'll never get away with this, Oromov. This did not get the reaction we expected. Instead of surprise or denial, all we got was confusion. The general stopped, looked at Sarge, then back to his group, then back to Sarge. He shrugged and was about to start speaking when Nubby spoke up and accused the other general of being Oromov. When that didn't get a reaction, Tink said that the man in the cloak was obviously Oromov and told him to take it off. The cloaked figure turned to the other general and asked the... I don't... Guavesal. What an Oromov was. There was a brief discussion where it explained that Oromov was the name of the Lord General that commanded the Eastern Front on the South Continent. Last they heard, he was holed up on the far side of the moon, planning his revenge on the Inquisitor General. So, yeah, wrong bunch of traitors. Awkward. See, I anyway, under- I know what's going on, but I don't think anybody else here knows what going what's going on. Sergio might. I know exactly what's going on. You're damn right. <laughs> anyway, 
Even if none of them was Oromov, someone had recognized the name. Twitch was watching the interrogator and Ivana for vampire orc shenanigans and noticed the Valkyrie flinch like someone had tased her. He made several logical leaps, all of which were incorrect, but led him to the right response anyway. He screamed, Plan B! Plan B! and tackled the untouchable. Plan B was like Plan A, except we were fighting everyone instead of just the traitor's men and the, tra the traitor's men and the traitors. Sarge Traitor. grabbed one if the supposedly friendly guards and threw him at the bodyguards while Nubby kicked the other in the groin, in the groin with the full force of his augmetic legs. Doc and Tink used the split second of breathing room to dig out our weapons and Fumbles grabbed Twitch a roll of duct tape. Bane immediately drew his pistols and killed the bodyguard and the captain before he was forced to dodge a haymaker from Ivana. The haymaker completely missed the interrogator and knocked out the traitor general that had been coming up behind him. Then Cloaked Figure and the surviving two officers started screaming about it being a trap. Bodyguard and guard Sarge had thrown shot each other, and the courtyard exploded into chaos. Honestly, we didn't have any idea what was going on. Guards were killing other guards, reinforcements were coming in and trying to figure out who was the enemy, the traitors had scattered, and a very ominous-sounding alarm was going off. The centerpiece of all this was a martial artist match between Bane and Ivana, which consisted entirely of him dodging her blows while asking her to search her heart. For our part, we started throwing smokes in every direction as fast as we could to dig them out and shot at anyone who seemed to be paying attention to us. Our goal was simple. We wanted to get into that shuttle and get the hell out of there before we all got killed. The traitors and the guards and traitor guards could kill each other to their heart's content after we were gone. Sarge led us into a scrambling run from cover to cover as we wrestled with packs of half-full dirt and flowers and the very unhappy untouchable. Now that we both knew to look for it, the interrogators probably screw, screwed up. The interrogators screwed up. Probability field was obvious. Shots went wild. Doc and Nubby both both jammed their guns. Twitch hit himself in the face with a rebounding smoke grenade, and Tink didn't even try to use his plasma gun. The Tekken fumbles kept their heads down and dragged the untouchable behind us as we ran. Uh, yeah, as bad as we were getting messed by the interrogators' field, the Valkyrie guards closer to Bane were getting it worse. Men would stumble into shots aimed at his back, guns would explode in their user's hands, and one man threw the pen at him instead of the grenade. Poor bastard. Ivana soaked up a ton of punishment before a shotgun blast knocked her down to her knees. The interrogator gave her a little bow and sprinted out after us. Bow. We made it... But, yeah, bow. We made it to the shuttle without any major injuries, piled in, and gave the pilot a choice between an exciting new career in the Inquisition and a grisly death. Bane jumped in and get in a second ahead of the slamming doors, and we rose into the air as the villa began to explode below us. Several cars and flyers made it away before the whole thing went up, and an infuriated voice hailed us over the Vox. The rogue traitor swore on dying vengeance and promised Bane that he'd get him next time. Sarge left the interrogator to exchange witty banter and watched to make sure nobody was following us. When, we, when, when was finished tormenting the traitor, Bane smiled with his stupid grin and congratulated everyone on a job well done. We might all be rough around the edges and nowhere near experienced as him, but we'd pull through. In fact, he'd been proud enough to make us permanent members of his team. A few years later, learning from him would turn into real secret agents. Smart Sarge smiled a grin even wider than the interrogators, signaled Twitch to turn off the Untouchables limiter, and beat several kinds of shit out of the smarty bastard. Uh -huh. What's up? Read, honey. Uh, should I? I don't know. Should I? I don't know. Should you? Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Poll. Poll right now. Should I read? I vote. I vote maybe. Yes. Read. Hmm. No, I'm going to OnlyFans this shit. Um, 30 bucks per word. 
Uh, how about twenty-five? No. Uh, forty. You went. Well, I want to agree. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> how do you go? How do you go higher when I when I take it lower? All right, fifty. Take it or leave it. You drive a hard bar- hard bargain. <laughs> no, hard no bargain. money, and we just twerk. How about for free? Sixty. My final offer. <laughs> the last one was your final offer. Fucking read. <laughs> uh, oh shit! Shit! I hit space. Uh, Tink's piloting Tink's, skills yeah. were vastly improved by the Untouchables' aura of normality. He quickly familiarized himself with the shuttle's controls, and the pilot was taped to a seat in the passenger area. While he flew and Sarge worked out his anger issues, Doc Vox the Rupert and updated him on the situation. The Inquisitor General looked like he'd been having a great time. He was only moderately disappointed when we told him that Ormov hadn't been there. He perked right back up, though, when we told him about the traitors we'd seen and gave him that tidbit about Ormov hiding behind the moon. The Rupert immediately dispatched several assault shuttles, then gave us some very unwelcome orders he wanted us to personally lead the assault and make sure lord general oromov was captured alive well actually he gave the interrogator that order but bane was taped to the untouchable and could not come to the box right now anyhow it was an order and if we dithered about things for too long the lord general would probably escape and the whole mission would be a wash we raided what supplies we could from the shuttle got into position near the moon and waited for our backup while we waited, there was some discussion about what to do with the interrogator. There's no way we we're going to let him lead the assault. Nubby and Twitch were in favor of misplacing him, as in misplacing him out the airlock, but Sarge wasn't quite ready to kill a superior officer that hadn't actively tried to kill him. Doc's suggestion of tranking the interrogator was gaining traction when Tink spoke up. Perhaps, the techie suggested, we could use his abilities to help us. He was great in a fight if you weren't in the danger zone, as he put it. So half an hour before our squad led the assault on the General, the Lord General Oromov's secret moon base, the interrogator was shoved into an escape pod and fired at it like a boarding torpedo. We left the tape on. Sard said he'd probably be fine. Kai, say the thing. Say the thing. Say the Hold thing. Hold on, I have a point. I have a point. Yes. Okay. The the Lord General Oromov secret moon base reads like Sora's ancient lost village to me. <laughs> I don't know. It's just horrible. Anyway. When did so they no a moon base before this, by the way? Never. Am I am I am I stupid or did I just not pick up on that? I don't know why he's behind the moon or whatever. I, I no think idea. they're missing something. Maybe. I'm also confused. Well, maybe we should get the uh, the editor on the podcast and ask him where the fuck the moon base came from. <laughs> we should. If you're right. out there listening, tell us. All right, say the, thing, say the thing. 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 So no shit, there we were. Yeah! Yeah! Rocketing into the distance and preparing to assault the secret moon base of a traitorous Lord General. That's not something you get to say often. We swapped into one of the assault shuttles and borrowed some void gear for the assault. No sense dying of asphyxiation before we got to the enemy. The plan was simple. 
kill or capture anyone who wasn't part of the strike force. The boys, the Rupert, Rupert sent us, were pretty pumped to hear that we didn't have any crazy complex strategies for them to follow. It was good that they were happy because the assault began to look a lot more dangerous as we came around the moon. Lord General Oromov's secret moon base was not actually very secret, mostly because someone had parked a bright red cruiser over it. Twitch alternated between ecstatically telling us that orcs had really been behind everyone and worrying about whether there were any commandos in the base. As far as we could tell, it wasn't attacking the base, it was just sort of hanging there. We were pretty sure that no one was dumb enough to try and hire a free Buddha as a transport. But it a free Buddha was... is basically a rogue trader, but an orc, and they dress up as pirates and they all talk like pirates. Okay. That's a cool name. Um, but it certainly looked like that was what was happening here. We got a free Buddha, guys. We put in a quick call to the Navy, then chilled our heels until a hail of mo macro cannon shots came in at an appreciable fra fraction of light speed. While Works reevaluated the decision to hold still in what was mostly Imperial controlled space, we launched our assault. I choked on our my bird was cherry coke. <coughs> Continue. No, it's okay. Bless you. I'm just dying. Our bird was in the second wave. None of us had real experience in void battles, so it was better to wait for the fight to get inside before we participated. As battles go, it was a pretty quick one. <laughs> we had more men, better troopers, and the element of surprise. It would have been a quick slaughter without the free Buddhas. The assault teams cut in from every direction, splitting up the defenders and wrecking the chain of command. They pinpointed the HQ within minutes, and we moved in for the kill. This was the sort of fight we'd like. The enemy was in front of us, our flanks were secure, we were the only ones with a decent heavy weapon. There wasn't any screwing around with hallways and their limited cover, we just blasted through wall after wall, flashing the occupants, then hitting the biggest hostiles with an overcharged plasma shot. Tink didn't get many more kills than the rest of us, but almost every orc we bagged was all him, and he only burned himself once. The real clincher was Fumbles, though. Psyker was doing wonderfully. A little praise in whatever nubby had given him while Sergeant Doc weren't looking had really improved his morale. It's amazing how much it helps to have someone who can pinpoint hostiles on the other side of the wall for you, and doubly amazing how much damage a simple invisible grenade can do. Fumbles didn't screw up a single time during the whole push, and even managed to shoot someone with his last pistol. The little guy felt like a superhero, and everyone within 20 or, 20 or so meters felt like one too. Of course, battles didn't all go our way. Doc had got to patch up all of us at some point or another, and we all saw at least a dozen assault troopers go down as we cut through the middle of their fights. Honestly, we could have probably handled twice the number of hostiles we actually encountered, but none of us were complaining. We knew that our luck wouldn't hold out forever. And uh, before we continue, I would just like to point out that the picture of this one is the Juggernaut from X-Men 3 saying, I'm the Juggernaut bitch. I'm the Juggernaut bitch. <clears throat> oh, Matt, the one, this one after Sergio's, don't forget to do the pirate voice. Okay. <clears throat> our push forward slowed and stalled as we neared the end. Not because there was too much resistance, because there wasn't any. The halls were empty, except for corpses with auto-gun wounds. Sarge called a halt as we waited for our duct tape untouchable to be brought forward by some troopers. We weren't going anywhere near the interrogator without him. Once the untouchable arrived, we got him crammed into Sarge's pack like a toddler, made sure we could turn off his limiter in an instant. Our secret weapon ready, we carefully made our way forward as we heard voices and an ominous hum. 
Twitch edged around a doorway, flinched backwards, and then waved us up. What we saw in there was at least the third weirdest thing any of us had encountered. The interrogator was tied to a table, and what looked like the ship's point defense laser was suspended above him. A massive orc with a gold-plated cyborg arm and a tricorn hat was slowly stomping in a circle around the table, and a pair of Gretchen were operating the laser's controls. As we watched a beam the size of an arm crackled out and started rotating up the table towards Bane, the gouge it cut in the floor looked to be about 10 meters deep. While this was rather odd, the outright weird part was what Bane and the Free Buddha were doing. As the beam crawled towards the interrogator's spread legs, he didn't scream or plead, and then he calmly talked to the orc. Actually, Matt, judging from the name of the of, of the of the orc, I think it's only fair that I take this. And you be Bane. Uh, come on. Uh, I want to be an orc. Can, can I be an orc, Papa? <laughs> Although it probably Fine. is, it probably is no. most appropriate. No, it's okay. You can you can be you can be the orc, and I'll be Bane. Okay. <clears throat> you thought you was more cunning than us, but Goldfinger's the cunningest dog there is, and I'm Goldfinger. Now die here, beamy. Death lasers powerful enough to project a spot on the moon. But not this moon. Like, if there were another one behind it, there'd be a spot on it. Foul Zenos, do you expect me to talk? What? Now you daft git, I expect you to die. It's not moving very fast. Shut up! While we're waiting, why don't you tell me about your evil plans? It's not like I'm going to escape to tell anyone. Uh, don't really got one of those. I was going to take the Boshumi's money and then push him out of the airlock. But since my cruise has run off, I'm really just planning to cut some nosy on me and have with my death laser. Oh, I don't suppose you'd be willing to let me go. Or have a beautiful and emotionally vulnerable henchwoman. Oh, can't you gross make this thing go any faster? At that, this point, the beam was getting pretty close, and we felt it was time to do something. We weren't quite ready just to let the interrogator die, not when the mission was almost over, and we knew we could subdue him at a moment's notice. Tink linked up a shot on what looked like the most critical component of the laser. The rest of us got ready to open fire, but, and Fumbles sat in the corner since we wouldn't let him use his powers this close to the inter- interrogator. Twitch fired. The Gretchens both exploded. <laughs> the laser went haywire. Before it cut off completely, the beam somehow split apart and simultaneously cut every single one of the interrogator's restraints. This did not surprise any of us. The first volley of last fire hit the freebooter square in the chest, the second was stopped by his augmentic arm, and the third was delayed as we scattered away from a well-thrown stick bomb? Stick bomb. It's stick bomb. No, it's, it's... Uh, imagine, imagine like a, like a, like, you know how the, the grenades the Germans had in World War II that's literally just like a, a stick? You like, you like twist off yeah. the bottom and you throw it. It's, it's a stick bomb. It's just, a, okay. it's, that's what the orcs use as grenades. Okay. Sarge and Doc took the right, peppering him with an unaimed last fire while frantically dodging a rain of slugs. On the other side, Twitch, Nubby, and Tink all took careful aim at the back of the orc's head. Twitch's gun jammed. Nubby managed to hit the floor and the ceiling, and Tink's plasma gun overheated. 
for the third time. All three troopers stared at each other in panic, then scattered as another stick bomb landed between them. As they ran, they retreated to the sight of Bane rising up behind the orc with a comically small switchblade. The way he jammed it into the Freebooter's ear wasn't funny, though. The massive orc started flailing around, frantically trying to dislodge the interrogator. Everyone took a second to appreciate the sight, then opened up on full auto, only pausing to reload or clear jams. As a side note, none of us bothered to try and miss Bane's. We figured he'd take care of that himself. The free Buddha finally dislodged the interrogator and threw him into a bank of cogitators, but he's obviously on his last legs. A final few volleys reduced him to a bleeding pile of meat, and a debt pack made sure he wasn't getting back up. Twitch used all three detonators for that, and we still had to set it off by shooting it with a las gun from the hallway. That done, there was a round of high fives and celebratory smokes, which were interrupted by the sound of approaching boots. We all dove into cover. But Bane just stood there and faced down the dozen stormtroopers, then thundered through a far door. That that thundered through the far door. Behind them came a man in a Lord General's uniform and Ivana in a suit of power armor. There was a brief, surprise staring match, then Lord General Oromov started monologuing. It wasn't the best monologue. We heard one or two really good ones, and this was only sort of middling. Sarge signaled to everyone to start lining up their shots, quietly calling targets over the comm while the idiots bantered. It was an agonizing wait. Nubby and Tink both nearly cracked before it was over, but it paid off. Bane dismissed something the traitor said, turned to face Ivana, and asked her if she would listen to her boss or her heart. Doc threw up a little in his mouth. The Valkyrie went from zero to 60 in half a second. The two stormtroopers nearest to her were reduced to chunky salsa. Bane did some sort of ridiculous backflip behind a table, attempted the free Buddhist Shuda, and somehow manages to use it to hose fire across the troopers. While they did the showy stuff, we paced four solid headshots and knocked out the door controls behind the traitor. The fight ended with Oromov being suspended from one of Ivana's fists while she used the other to lift the interrogator high enough for a sloppy makeout. Sarge boxed the Rupert to report our success while Tink and Doc pried the terrified Lord General down and tranked him. Nubby and Twitch retrieved fumbles and verified that no hostiles were left in the area. At this point, Sarge called the mission a success and started to reach behind his back to turn off the untouchables limiter. A second later, he was covered in a spray of bone and meat as Bane casually blew up the tapes, taped up prisoner's head off. Couldn't let a traitor like that live, could he? We were all on pins and needles. It was like being trapped in a very small room with a sleeping ursid. Doc carefully pulled the Lord General back. Tink swapped his plasma gun for a last pistol. Twitch pushed Fumbles back and Nubby made sure he had a clear path to the door. Sarge quietly asked the interrogator what he was going to do now. Bane looked at each of us in turn, then to Ivana, then back to Sarge. An expression that closely resembled thinking crossed his face. Then it vanished to be replaced with his vapid smile. Now, he bellowed, we party! Everyone breathed, a sigh of relief, and Sarge facepalmed. The shit you put up with in this job. Anyway, we followed him out. It was easier than fighting it. We got back on a shuttle and flew back down to the Rupert's mansion, where the interrogator instigated a night of wild hedonism, the likes of which none of us had ever fucking seen. And we didn't see it now either. We locked ourselves in our rooms and tried to figure out just what the hell we are going to do now. Tink and Twitch voted for finding another untouchable and ending this shit now. The man was obviously a complete psychotic loon with no sense of right, wrong, or even reality. Sergeant Doc weren't so sure, though. 
if he saw us coming, shit would go down real fast and was still technically murdering a superior officer. The Inquisition frowned on that sort of thing. They'll be advised patience. We've managed to hide from a shitty interrogator before. We could do it again. Fumble suggested we ask the people standing in the hallway about a second before they knocked. Three men entered our room. We recognized the one on the right. He was the interrogator who'd been our nominal superior while we were playing teacher. Now he was all done up in combat gear. The man on the left was an untouchable, but not a normal one. He had an aura like fumbles in a suicidal depression, and that was with his limiter on. The middle man was tall, covered with scars and augmentics, and had a servo skull hovering on his shoulder. They made themselves comfortable, greeted us all by name, then congratulated us on solving our mission. Surviving our mission, I mean. They kept our mouths shut and waited for the shoe to drop. Eventually, they got tired of playing the big scary inquisitors and only getting monosyllabic responses. The middle one stood back up and fished around in his shirt for something. He took a, he drew out a rosette, which identified him as a member of the Ordos Hereticus, and asked what our opinion was of interrogator Bane Johns. Why does his last name have to be Johns? Sarge <laughs> sat up a bit straighter and asked why he was so interested in the opinion of a bunch of grunts. The Inquisitor smiled back and said we were the first team to survive a mission with him. So we're the best men to judge whether he was a dangerous, untrained psyker who might become a serious threat to the Imperium. Every single one of us grinned like a kid in a candy store. Unfortunately, the moment was slightly spoiled by Twitch saying that we thought Bane was a vampire orc. They let us watch when they stormed into, par- into the party, deactivated the limiter, and dragged the drunken interrogator out behind them. It was glorious, especially when he kept trying to do martial arts moves and hit himself. It must suck to live a life where everything you do just magically works and have it taken away. Nubby suggested that we should send him a card or something, perhaps a tasteful goodbye message, like, Enjoy your life in a Shield Inquisitorial dungeon, don't forget the right. We really shouldn't have laughed like that, it only encouraged him. When they took Bane, Ivana tried to put up a fight, but Oak's personal interrogator drew some sort of sleek, small sleek pistol and the Valkyrie was asleep before she got half a meter. We heard him tell his men to pack her up. He knew someone who might want to offer her a job. We decided that was a, as fair a chance as any of, us had, any of us had gotten and went to bed. We stuck around the planet for a few days after the Inquisitor left, particularly to see if the Rupert needed help, but mostly because we had to wait for a ship that was going our way. The dapper man was... A little concerned over what had happened with our interrogator, but accepted our our assurance that it was all for the best. He would have loved to spend some time swapping tails with us, but unfortunately, he was rather busy running the war. The Rupert said he intended to head, hand off command to some of the less corrupt generals after the purges, but everyone seemed to think he was doing a wonderful job and wanted him to stay until the war ended. Hopefully, that wouldn't take too many years. Morale had improved greatly after the purge, and deserters no longer seemed to be disappearing off planet in surprisingly large numbers. He put, put that down to the execution of Oromov and all of his contacts. But we remembered the other group of traitors and weren't so sure. I'll just I'll finish it off since I'm on a roll. A few weeks later, we disembarked onto Oak's ship to find a runner waiting for us. The doc thought, had thought ahead. He and Sarge had put together a full report during our travel time. So instead of a grueling oral examination, we just handed over the data slate and went our way. The welcome back party was much more our speed, less loud music and mindless extravagance, more old friends. Nubby captivated everyone with the completely true tale of our adventure and his heroic exploits. Doc disappeared with his lady friend, Twitch introduced Fumble to some new friends, and Tink managed to talk to Hannah the Cog Girl without getting slapped. 
Sarge watched it all and felt proud, then ducked out earlier after a runner passed him a note. The, the argument in Oak's office was heard by no one, and no devices recorded it. If someone had been there to hear it, though, they might have heard phrases, faces killed over 30 teams, and you used us like guinea pigs, repeated a few times. They also might uh, they might also have heard an older, quieter voice explaining the only type of person is that the, the that only one type of person is allowed to dictate team composition on his ship. A few hours later, interrogator Greg Sargent left Oak's office and returned to the party holding a data slate. His name is Greg Sargent. Greg. That's. I know Greg that he's Sargent. Sargent. He, the, him, him being Greg Sargent is really funny. <laughs> He sat, played with it for a while, and walked over to where Nubby and T- Twitch were sitting and swapping stories with old friends. He took a seat, grabbed a drink, and in a rhetorical way asked, Where the hell is Tau Space? The weeaboo space communists. Oh, boy. The, uh, the cloaked figure earlier, if, if nobody picked up on it besides me, was a crew. I I picked up on it. I totally picked up on it. Well, I mean, I didn't pick up that it was a crew, but I I picked up that it was a a Tau degenerate. I'm assuming it was a crew because it was a a slim cloaked figure. A crew is a is a mercenary that work for the Tau, um, that are dubiously Mm. loyal to them. That are Um. basically just skinny bird people. I'll post a picture of them in uh, general. This is a crew. So much fucking weird shit in Warhammer like this. Motherfucker's gun is bigger than him. It's war. It's Warhammer. What do you mean? Of course it is. You're not going to acknowledge the fact that he's a bird on it. Jacob. Two birds are Imperial Primarchs. What? They're, yeah. they're not real. Bir- they're not real birds, though. They're birds in spirit. They're named after birds. They're birds in spirit. Birds. They fly. I don't know why, but I was trying to think of Corvus Corax, and my brain was like the Raven, Vulcan Raven, <laughs> <There. laughs> Vulcan Raven. <laughs> that works. My favorite Metal Gear Solid character, Vulcan Raven. Yes. The guy who dies like two hours after you meet him. Isn't it weird that in in the Eagle Raptor animation, Metal Gear Awesome, uh, Vulcan Raven's uh, crow uh, gets cut off early before he finishes his line, almost as if uh, Eagle Raptor is trying to hide a word that was said um, by the crow in that scene. I've never seen that video, so I don't even know what you're talking about. I haven't seen it either. That's all. That's all. That's all I have to say. What did the crow say? I I, I don't remember. He said uh, he said a word. Was it the N word? It was the N word. Yes. Damn. <laughs> okay. And the crow was also modeled after Jim Crow. Oh. oh. That's. What do you mean good. modeled after Jim Crow? He wasn't a real man. <laughs> Yeah, he was a cartoon crow. He wa- what? I don't know if we should be getting into this discussion in our podcast. No, I feel like this is totally apt content for the, for the <laughs> I just thought Jim Crow was just some fucking name they made up. 
Well, You're telling was, me no, there was a he, cartoon no, he was crow? A, he was a caricature. I didn't know that. that I was just. Ta- no, I was it just. Sounds like next time. Cool. Next time we're in. We're in Michigan. We're gonna travel to Big Rapids, Michigan, and go to the Jim Crow Museum of Racist Memorabilia. That's a real thing. I I just found it. Yes. Yes. Cannon road trip. Let's do it. Before Education before Ohio Con, we'll grab the boys and go to the fucking racism museum. No, I do actually have to end the episode now because my Taco Bell is here. Okay. Uh, okay. Every, everybody, find uh, f- find our link tree, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Spotify or Pandora or whatever, Samsung Podcasts, Podcast Addict, whatever. Uh, read our let SCP. Me know, let me know where, uh, where, where Tau Space is. Somewhere. Bye. We love you. Mm-hmm.